was fun. Goodness gracious. So uh, we're late this morning because uh, at a quarter till 10 our time, when I tried to use our production software to uh, live stream our service, it just, the server connection kept dropping after like five seconds. And I tried it several times and then uh, decided, wait, I got to let everybody know. And so I made a, a, a live Facebook video on my personal Facebook page and it worked. So I thought, oh wait, I could, I could stream on uh, my personal page. And I had to like, uh, you know, make some changes on the production software to make that happen. So we are definitely together in this, aren't we? Uh, good job, Matt. That was an appropriate song for today. Thank you all for joining us. I see your comments here um, on the Facebook page and it's good to see our church family together wherever you are. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, folks will watch this later as well. We'll, we'll uh, post this video and, and audio at wellchurch.org, just like we usually do. And so um, for folks who missed it live, they'll be able to, to see it again later. So whew, thanks for being here this morning. And um, if you're new with us, you're our guest. If somehow you found us and you're new, kudos to you. Uh, and you want to let us know you're here, just text the word welcome to, to the number 480-530-7234. It'll text you back with a, a little digital connect card. Fill that out and tell us about yourself and you can get more info about The Well. And today we're starting a brand new sermon series entitled Leadership. And, uh, oh, by the way, before I forget, this is a communion service today. So if you would like to participate in communion, if you can stick with us, because we're running late, just grab a piece of bread and uh, a beverage and share communion with us later. Or maybe it'll just be lunch for you. Maybe we'll just run into your lunchtime and you can just eat and drink with us during lunch. But it's a communion service today. So we're starting this new series called Leadership. And uh, when you hear that your church is doing a series on leadership, some of you think that the only person who would be interested in uh, a series on leadership would be a corporate shill who just walks around in cheap khakis carrying a, a coffee mug like Bill Lumberg from the office. Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturdays. And, and, or maybe some kind of, of you know, tycoon CEO who is obsessed with being the boss in power and, and takes advantage of people and steamrolls over people. Some of you come from a more conservative evangelical background where, where you saw leadership sermons that were just kind of the, the, the corporate yes person type of, type of series. And, and maybe you think that kind of culture is actually hurting America. I don't know how you know, a series on leadership strikes you, but um, here's where I'm coming from. Here's who I think is the most effective leader of the past 100 years. Martin Luther King Jr. is still changing the world. 60 years after his work, he's inspiring Americans and really people all over the world to live up to our ideals. He embodied his cause. He, he spoke to the hearts of people. He was seen as the preeminent leader for civil rights in the United States. And and in many parts of the world now. So when you think of leadership, maybe you do think of some corporate, you know, cheap khakis guy, but that's not what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about people who have influence, people who change the world, and you don't, just to have, you don't have to just change uh, the world to be a leader. You can change 
your world. You can change a world. And that makes you a leader. So throughout this series, uh, what I'm going to define leadership as is influence. The most prominent leadership coaches that I'm aware of define leadership as influence. And if you influence anybody at all, anywhere, I'm going to suggest that you are a leader. Now, of course, there are leaders who are more effective. There are leaders who have a wider influence, of course. But if you influence anybody, you are a leader. Are you a parent? You influence your kids, even if you don't feel like you do, especially if they're in online school right now or if they're teenagers. You probably don't think you have influence over your kids, but you do. So if you're a parent, you're a leader. If you interact with any other human beings, you have an influence on them. Whether you think you do or not, whether you think you're a leader and they're following you or maybe you feel like you follow them, you are still influencing them. And you are a leader. Yes, there are leaders with wider influence, but if you have influence over anybody, and you do, you are a leader. So if you're a president or a governor or a boss or a parent or a spouse or a pastor or a church group leader or a teacher or a principal or a business owner or an employee or an artist or a mayor, a coach, a team captain, organizer, manager, team leader, human, you are a leader. You have influence over somebody and that makes you a leader. And I know some of you, you already, you know you're a leader and you want to grow as a leader. You just devour any material you can that helps you grow as a leader. You have direct reports at work. You're a manager. You're, maybe you own your own business. You're a leader in church or, or in some kind of social group or community group or civic group. Maybe you're a public servant and you're always looking for resources to make you a better leader. Some folks don't believe they're leaders, but they are because everybody influences somebody. And here's the question. If you don't think you're a leader that I want you to think about, the question isn't, are you a leader? Because you are. The question is, what kind of a leader are you? Now, let me just say this as nicely as I can. If you don't think you're a leader, you're still a leader. It's just that you could be a more effective one. Because people who don't think they're leaders just aren't very effective leaders because they think that. They're not thinking about how they're influencing other people. They're not thinking about how their lives make a difference for good or for bad. There are also folks who, who just kind of choose to be silent. Like you're like the, you know, the, the peg that sticks up gets pounded back down and they just choose to be silent. Could I suggest to you that being silent is also influential. People who are, are silent are influencing by their silence, whether they realize it or not. And that silence will actually reinforce whatever the status quo is. Elie Vassell gave that famous quote, silence always helps the oppressor. So even people who don't think they're a leader and they're silent, they're just, I'm just neutral. I'm just above the fray. I'm not getting involved in this. No, they're still influential. They're still leaders. It's just for whatever the status quo is. So the question is, are you a leader? The question is, what kind of a leader are you? What kind of, a, of an influence are you? And another 
excuse me, you see my production skills live as I'm still jittery from trying to get the live stream to work. Another place I'm coming from in this series is uh, that everything, everything, that's a big statement, everything rises and falls on leadership. The leadership coach John Maxwell is known for, for saying that. Some of you have maybe heard him before uh, in, in your in your church experience, I don't know, but um, everything, I agree with the quote, everything rises and falls on leadership. Here's what that means. Everything you see that is made by humans, from your house to the coffee maker over there, to your car, to roads, to sewer systems, every product you buy, everything you see existed in the mind of a leader before it was brought into the world. A leader had to envision that and then bring people together to create that. Everything you see, everything you touch was created by a leader. Not just that, everything you think, even if you don't know you think it, was created by a leader. There are some things that we just assume to be true, and we don't even know that because we're blind to our own assumptions. And then we, we go through life thinking that, not knowing we think that, and then we encounter a label for that, a name for that, and then we realize, oh, like, neoliberalism. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that was a thing, but we all tend to think that way in 21st century America without even realizing we think that way, but that existed in the mind of a leader before it affected your everyday reality. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything that happens, happens because a leader made it happen. So if leadership is that important, if you are a leader, whether you think you are or not, because you have influence and everything rises and falls on leadership, what could be more important than becoming better leaders? Here we are in, in the beginning of September, Labor Day weekend of 2020. Do you think leadership is important in the United States of America? We're, we're facing a presidential election. Do you think leadership is important right now in the United States? Everything rises and falls on leadership. You have influence. The question is, what kind of leader are you? We all need to be the best leaders we can possibly be. So. We want to become better leaders. Now, because leadership is influence and because everything rises and falls on leadership, we want to stand up for what we believe. What we believe is right and good and true and beautiful. All of us want to stand up for those things as a leader and leaders stand up for what they believe in. We saw an amazing example of that this week. A gentleman who has maybe been carrying this frustration pent up inside for a long time, had the courage to stand in front of a city council meeting and stood alone and proclaimed his conviction from the core of his being about something that he really believes is important. Let's watch. First and then Jane and then you, okay? I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen. Uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. 
We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the, excuse me, I'm trying to, yeah. excuse me, sure. come on. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long and we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. An American hero, ladies and gentlemen, that's what a patriot looks like who stands up for what he believes. I love saucy nugs. I vote for that one. And you saw, of course, my production skills trying to get to the right video. Thank goodness for editing. Now, isn't this 2020? That guy is a more effective leader than half of our government at this point. Isn't that just the most 2020 realization? <laughs> a guy who's, you know, standing in front of a city council as a gag showed more leadership than, than much of what we see today. So leaders stand up for what they believe. And today we're talking about leadership at work. Again, some of you realize you're leaders, you have direct reports, you're a manager, you're a boss. And so it has obvious relevance for you. Some of you are retired, some of you are students. Uh, some of you um, lead in your home, you stay at home. And so today we're not just talking about leading at work, we're talking about leading at school, leading in your community, essentially leading outside of your family because you have influence on people wherever you are. It's Labor Day weekend, and so it's a, it's a, uh, it's a place to start that's obvious uh, to, uh, to talk about leadership at work. Now, have you had a bad boss? Now, some of you are like, Ryan, how much time do you have? Ryan, the stories I could tell. Have you ever had a bad boss, an unhealthy boss, an unhealthy supervisor, manager? What did that feel like? What did that do to you emotionally? What did that do to your quality of life? I mean, not to mention your work-life balance, but what did, what did that do when you weren't at work? How did that affect you? Did your, did your leader pass the buck? Did, did that boss blame other people for their shortcomings? Did they act in a self-centered way? Did they fail to listen? And they just acted you know, autocratically from a top-down perspective 
without thinking about how their actions affected other people. And how did that affect you? How did that feel to have an unhealthy leader influencing your life? Well, as leaders ourselves, we would never want to do that to somebody else. We don't want to be like that bad boss, that unhealthy leader. We want to grow as a leader at work, at school, in our community. And we want to be an influence for good and not hurt people the way we were hurt. We want to help them and make their lives better. So I want to share a couple of scriptures with you here. The first is from the Gospel of John and then from Matthew. Now this is a communion Sunday. We'll take communion together at the end of the service. And this scripture that we're going to read is from the Last Supper before Jesus shares communion with his disciples and just before he was betrayed by Judas. And so the disciples gathered with Jesus in the upper room, the, the second story, probably a wealthy person's home in Jerusalem that opened up their home to them. And in Jerusalem, where this meal takes place, it's an arid climate, kind of like where, where we are here, those of us who live in Arizona. You wear sandals, and as you walk, your feet get sandy and sweaty from the heat. And when you enter somebody's home for a meal, it's a sign of hospitality that, that somebody in that home would wash your feet before you share a meal together, probably for obvious reasons. Now, the job of washing a guest's feet usually fell to a servant, a slave in the Roman Empire. Or if the family didn't have a servant, a slave, it fell to the host's wife. This was a patriarchal culture. And so if you don't have a slave to do it, then the wife would have to do it. That's the kind of culture that Jesus lived in. So Jesus does something different. Before he and the disciples share this last meal together, before his crucifixion, his resurrection, Jesus decides that he wants to set an example for his disciples about what leadership looks like. He's been their leader. They've been following him, but he wants to teach them about what leadership, healthy leadership, good leadership looks like in this world. And so Jesus didn't depend on a slave to do something. He didn't depend on, you know, he didn't put it off on the woman of the house to do this like the surrounding culture did. This is what Jesus did. Let's read together. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, excuse me, When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus took a towel and a wash basin, and he washed his disciples' feet. He put himself in the place of a servant as their leader to show them what real leadership looks like. And then in Matthew 23, Jesus says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. 
and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The words of Jesus about what leadership looks like. So in leadership circles, this is called servant leadership. Jesus modeled a type of leadership that is the opposite of the top-down, autocratic, authoritarian leadership that so many people believe is the, the way to get things done. If you want to be an influence in this world, then you just you exalt yourself, you, you, you puff yourself up, you brag, you take on a larger-than-life persona, you're authoritarian, you just bark out orders at people and, and blow up at them, and, and you, you just it's one way. You just tell people what to do, and they're your minions, and they just, they just do it, and they better like it. And, and there's no listening involved. And it's just, it's a, really a bully style of leadership. And Jesus says, that's not what real leadership looks like. Jesus says, the most effective form of leadership looks like the leader humbling themselves and putting themselves in the place of a servant and serving the people they lead. It's servant leadership. Now, in my day job, I work for a large company, and it has all the resources in the world to train leaders, to train managers, to maximize productivity, and to create a great culture. And they do pretty well overall. No company's perfect, but they do, they do a good job. And Still, though, there is a wide variety in the quality of managers in, in the company. And in my last position there, I had a manager named Jim. And Jim does not have the same level of education that a lot of the other managers have. He's older. He's not a beauty queen. Um, On paper, corporate America may not assign value to Jim as a manager or as a leader the way that they would to somebody else, just based on what they look like on paper. But let me tell you something about Jim. Jim is the best manager in that department. His teams love him. He, when you talk to somebody on his team about Jim and you mention Jim, it's common for his employees to say, oh, I love him. He's awesome. I mean, he's their boss. And they'll say things like, well, you know Jim. He's great. He's their manager. And that's how it's common for people on his team to talk about him. Now, he's no dummy. He brings cookies and pastries to work a lot for his team to eat. So mama didn't raise no fool. I mean, you know, he, he, he knows how to, to, to be kind to other people, but it doesn't end there. You've had bosses, I'm sure, who you dreaded meeting with. You dreaded the one-on-one in the calendar because you knew that even if you did a good job, and even if they said you did a good job, there was just going to be something. There was going to be this left hook out of nowhere, something, some nitpicking, petty thing even, to kind of bring you down. You know, have you had a, a boss like that where you just, gonna, you just feel like, oh, you just don't want to talk to the person because you know something's going to happen? In one-on-ones, Jim was different than that. You would walk in and, and he would ask, how are you doing? How's your family? He would ask me, how, how are your boys? How's your, how's your wife? And how, how are your boys doing? And, and it wasn't because the notes on his screen said, ask Ryan how his family's doing. And he, he meant it. And we might converse about that for a little while and he would share about himself and then he would remember that and ask later. If I shared something, you know, he would ask about it. 
And then he would run down through metrics and, and talk about the things that went well. And if I didn't do something that was, that was up to snuff, he said, well, you could, have been done, you could have done better here. What happened? I'd say, well, here's what happened. Okay, well, now we know. We can fix it. And, and the whole experience was, I know that this manager cares about me as a human being. That was the difference. We're looking at the same metrics. We have the same one-on-ones. We have the same performance evaluation that everybody else has. The difference was Jim cares about his employees as human beings and they know it. It shows you can't fake it. He cares about people. That is, is the heart of servant leadership. There, there are so many books written now about how, how to lead or how to manage well and how to, how to lead millennials, like, like how, to, how to manage millennials. There are all these jokes about how millennials are at work and so on. You know what I've experienced? Whether you're a millennial or a boomer or whatever generation you're a part of, you want a leader in your life who cares about you as a human being and helps you see how your work has value and how it matters. Simon Sinek says the why behind your work. And, and then there are some people who would say, well, you know, Jim sounds like he's a nice guy and he has a cush team and it's kind of a, you know, it's just an easygoing environment. I bet his, I bet his team's performance is not as good as other teams. Wrong, wrong. Jim consistently had top performing teams. It's, it's just incredible how many, how many wannabe great leaders there are in this world who don't understand this. When your reports know that you care about them, that creates a better working environment for them. They're happier to be there. And study after study after study has shown repeatedly those teams are more productive. Jim's teams always were, were at the top of the heap. He attracted the best people. He attracted people who wanted to do a good job and, and his employees weren't sitting around anxious and worried about what their boss was going to say to them next when he, when he pulled them into the cubicle. They could actually focus their emotional energy on their work. They were more positive about work. It's not hard to understand why that would help a team to be more productive. Dan Cable is the professor of organizational leadership at London Business School and writing for the Harvard Business Review. Dan says, power, as my colleague Ina Anisi has studied, can cause leaders to become overly obsessed with outcomes and control and therefore treat their employees as means to an end. I've discovered in my own research, this ramps up people's fear Fear of not hitting targets, fear of losing bonuses, fear of failing, and as a consequence, people stop feeling positive emotions and their drive to experiment and learn is stifled. To put it bluntly, servant leaders have the humility, courage, and insight to admit they can benefit from the expertise of others who have less power than them. They actively seek the ideas and unique contributions of the employees that they serve. This is how servant leaders create a culture of learning and an atmosphere that encourages followers to become the very best 
they can. And perhaps even more important, the better than better company results, servant leaders get to act like better human beings. That's an article from the Harvard Business Review about a, a style of leadership that Jesus modeled at the Last Supper. Servant leadership. So let me see if this rings true for you. Now, you may be a boss. And, and so we'll talk about how bosses act towards their employees. Maybe you're, maybe you're an employee. You don't have direct reports. You have a supervisor. There's actually such a thing as leading up because you are an influence on your boss, even if you don't feel like it. And so this applies to an employee. Maybe you're a leader in your community or your church. Maybe you lead a church group or a ministry. This applies to you. Maybe you're the, a member of a church group or a ministry. This applies to you because you're leading up. You know, maybe, maybe it's next week we're going to talk about leading in your home. And so this applies really anywhere, but let's see if these ring true for you about what servant leadership can look like. Selfish leaders versus servant leaders. First of all, a selfish leader sees others as a means to an end. They're using other people to get something else done. The person is, a, is just like a, a thing that's there to get results, to get what they want. So they use other people to get what they want. A servant leader sees others as human beings who are ends in themselves. This is a, a 180 night and day difference. So uh, selfish leaders ask, you know, how can I exploit other people? Even of course, they may never use this language. It's just assumed that this is what leaders do. How can I get what I want? How can I enact my agenda? And I'm just going to use these people to get that. So many leaders, influential people, think that's what leadership is. You know, we're in political season. We see all these political signs on every, on every street corner. What percentage of the people running for office do you think are running for office as a means to an end versus people who are running for office to make human beings' lives better? Oh, I know there are. There, I believe there are politicians with pure motives. I just wonder what the percentage is. Selfish leaders use other people as a means to an end to enact their own agenda at work. Obviously, you know, obviously a boss could use an employee to just get ahead, you know, make more money, exploit them. What about an employee? An employee could use their boss as a means to an end. Kind of manipulate their boss to try to you know, get this set up for the next promotion. Well, your boss is a human being. You care about your boss as a human being. If you're in church or if you're in a community group of some kind, are you, are you kind of finagling to get, you know, using people to get your agenda passed? Or do you see these are people that I can invest in and if I make their lives better, my life will be better too. Remember in the last series we talked about wise people or intelligent people who always work for the win-win because that just helps everybody. So a servant leader will work for the win-win. I can make other people's lives better. I can invest in them as humans. And then I know my needs will get met too if I'm investing in people. A selfish leader asks, how can I get the most out of my employees or my boss or my friends or my church group? A servant leader asks, how can I make the lives of the people I influence better? How can I mentor how can I share what I know? How can I listen? How can I see what other people are good at 
and nudge them in that direction? How can I help them to have a work-life balance and help them to be happy and, and, and lead a healthy, productive life? In your community where you're an influence or in your church where you're an influence, do you think about how to make the lives of other people better? This is easy, isn't it, when we're, when we're just putting this off on a boss, like, I wish that they were a servant leader and treated me better. It's a whole other story when we turn that around and we ask, our, ask ourselves, are, are we servant leaders? Am I a servant leader? How much do I think about making the lives of other people better versus just angling to get whatever I want? John Wesley is the founder of, of the Methodist movement in the 18th century. In one of his sermons, Wesley said that love is hungering for the happiness of others. That just gets me. If you're anything like me, most of my thoughts are probably spent trying to make my life comfortable. Of course, I love my family and I sacrifice and give for them. But I mean, like at work or, in, you know, just in groups and responsibilities, I'm just trying to, you know... Make myself comfortable? I don't know. Versus thinking to the, about other people to the extent that we hunger for the happiness of other people. That we want other people to be healthy and happy. And we think about their needs and not just our own. That's what a servant leader does. How can I make the lives of other people better? How can I invest into the lives of my community, my church, it's the Kennedy quote, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's asking, how can I make the lives of the people around me better? A selfish leader only directs. Leadership is top down one way for a selfish leader, just tells people what to do and expects them to do it. A servant leader also listens. Servant leaders create an environment where it's safe to give feedback. They know they don't know everything. And, and good leaders are learners. And so they, they're open to more knowledge. They know they need to learn. They're open to another point of view because they know we all have blind spots. And they're secure enough to ask somebody else for feedback. How did I do there? What could I have improved? Now, of course, when people give you honest feedback, that's tough. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> it's tough to really appreciate it once you get the feedback, but that's part of what being a healthy leader is, a servant leader is, is actually appreciating their feedback, thanking them for that and not arguing with them when they give you honest feedback. But are you open to new information? Again, it's easy to put this on a bad boss, but how about you? Are you open to new information? Do you want feedback? Are you secure enough to ask people, how am I doing? I want to invest in your life and I want to make things better. And I want to do a great job. How am I doing? Servant leaders ask for feedback. And then lastly, selfish leaders put responsibility only on others. They just want other people to be productive. And if something goes wrong, they pass the buck. They blame other people for their shortcomings as a leader. Servant leaders join with the team to reach the goal. Servant leaders roll up their sleeves. And they're not afraid to get their hands dirty with their team and make it happen. A top-down leader a selfish leader has high expectations for everybody else and low expectations for themselves. But servant leaders get involved. How about you? 
when something needs done, when you want to influence, when you want to make something you know, better, or make other people's lives better, do you get involved? Is it just barking orders? Or do you get involved and serve and give and participate and show up and take responsibility to make it happen? Leaders don't give directions from a distance. They roll up their sleeves and they listen and they get involved in the work. This Tuesday in our pub theology, um, somebody in, in, in the Zoom gathering brought up how during the COVID-19 shutdown, we haven't had to, to set up for portable church the way we normally do. Here in Chandler, the well is, is portable, and so we have this 24 feet long race car trailer that we pull up to an elementary school every Sunday at 8 a.m., and a team of people shows up, we call them the road crew, and they unpack this trailer and set up in a multi-purpose room in an you know, elementary school cafeteria, and they transform that space into a worship space in about 45 minutes. And somebody in the pub theology who's on that road crew is like, yeah, we don't have to sweat you know, right now in, the, in the, the Phoenix heat. And so that's at least something to be thankful for. And in the road crew teams that I've always had, I've, I've planted two portable churches. It's always been important to me to be a part of the road crew, to show up early and to leave late, to show up and grab equipment and, and move it around, push carts, lift things. It's always been important to me to serve on the road, the, the road, uh, the road crew. Now, I don't like to make myself the hero of my own stories because I have so many ways that I need to grow as a leader, but that's something that I picked up early. I was blessed by somebody, I don't remember who, that instilled that into my mind. Real leaders get involved and they're not afraid to sweat. And so I've always loved serving on the road crew in the portable church that I've been a part of. And, and honestly, it's one of my favorite things because there's this sense of teamwork that we're all making it happen. We're all jumping in, we're sweating. We're, you know, we have to towel off before the service starts. I have to change clothes. And, and, and there's just this sense of we're making this happen. And so it's a blessing as a leader to roll up your sleeves and get involved with your team and lead. Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you're like Jim leading a team, you'll be blessed with better metrics because they're just happier to work. You know, if you roll up your, your sleeves as a servant leader and you get involved, you'll be blessed with the relationships and the fulfillment that you get from doing that. Whatever leadership looks like for you, whether you're at work or you're retired or you're a leader in your community, you'll be blessed if you practice servant leadership. Now, um, I uh, sat down with a, a member of our congregation earlier in, uh, in this week named Pam Parkinson. And, and Pam is a leader in, uh, in our community in Chandler and in our, in our church community. And um, when I thought about somebody who was just a, a part of the community and is an influence, she's the first person that I thought of. And so I wanted to ask her a couple of questions about leadership. She's a, a small business owner and she's been involved in the Chamber of Commerce for years here. And, and she invited me to an event a few years ago and I didn't realize what her involvement was at that point. And I showed up to an elementary school that they, that they rented for this, uh, this meeting. And there were, I don't know, 50 or hundred people there. And uh, I said, I saw Pam from across from, Hey Pam, I'm here. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to it. And then next thing I know, she goes up front and grabs the microphone. She's leading the thing. 
And I said, oh, now I realize who Pam is. I, I thought she was an influential person, and I can see she has amazing influence in her community. So I sat down and I asked her a couple of questions about leadership. Let's watch. Pam, thank you so much uh, for being willing to, uh, to talk with us today and share. When I thought about somebody to interview who was an influence in our community, you're the, the first person I thought of. So yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you said yes. And um, thank you for, for being willing to share. So wanted to ask you just a couple of questions. First of all, uh, why is it important to you to be a leader in the Chandler community? Gosh, you know, I was glad you gave me the questions ahead of time so I could try not to think about them too much. <laughs> sure. Good at that. Right on. I think more than anything, it's because I can. I mean, why be a leader? Why not? Why not? I mean, uh, I think if we look at the world as that crazy, um, what is it, that 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of us do 80% of the stuff. Well, yep. hey, why not be one of those, you know? Nice. Um I think you brought up that I have been a member of the Chandler Chamber and I was doing the math. I'm thinking it's almost 25 years now. And uh, I originally joined the Chamber because cha the Chandler Chamber because somebody said, you should join the Chamber. And I was like, OK. But more than anything, um, I I've built relationships there. And I think for me, that's what, what leadership in anything is, is building relationships, because who's going to follow anybody if they don't know you, like you or trust you? And uh, I'm thrilled to say that after 25 years there, I mean, I've, I mean, I've met people, I've got people who, whose kids are now members of the chamber, you know, um, I think another thing that's uh, kind of a, an important part of leadership is um, knowing when you're done, you know, because I think mentioning no elections or anything like that, but sometimes I think it's time to step down. And I think sometimes if you've been you know, building relationships and being involved in everything. Sometimes I think it's a great idea to step aside and give somebody else an opportunity to serve because that's how I first got started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you're, you're in high demand. That's why the phone's ringing right now. Yeah. I was just going to say, and that's, I have a new phone and that's a, that's some sort of notification of something that I cannot make stop. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. There you go. I'm sorry. I should have turned that off. Oh, well. Uh -huh. Well, that's all right. You yeah. need a different kind of leader to fix technological problems. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's true for all of us. That's right. And you know what, Ryan, that brings me to my next point. You got to know your gifts. My gift is not technology or telephones <laughs> or anything. The fact that I clicked the link and got here, I am so impressed with. And uh, I think that's one of the things that... Um, everybody should do is know what you're good at. You know, for example, um, we all have those God-given gifts. And I kind of think gifts are like muscles, use them or lose them. And uh, one of my gifts, interestingly enough, is remembering people's names. Hmm. So that's why I've said, excuse me, sir, may I hang out at the name tag table, which could be archaic at this point. <laughs> you know, we may never, you know, we may never have a name tag table. I don't know. We'll but, see. We'll uh, see. Yeah. We don't know, but I think using your gifts um, is a big part of building relationships with people mm -hmm. because what's the point of using something that you don't have? Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you saying being a leader is about people and relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned something about being an includer. Like, was it the strengths finder test that you took? 
Yes, yes, I was getting there. Yep, there's a the strength the Clifton Strength Finders test, which many of us have taken. I know there's a lot of Enneagram people here, but the Strength Finders thing kind of grabbed me by the throat. I took it once, did nothing with it, took it again, and have been working with a strength coach. And yeah, hmm. my number one strength is being an includer. Yeah. Um, and so, what does that mean? That means that I'm not the lone wolf. I, any anything that's going on, I want other people to be a part of that. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm always doing the hustle in that way of getting people to be involved in something, you know, whatever it is that might be. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's a big deal. Um, I'm, I'm way more apt to say to somebody, not follow me because I'm cool and I know everything. Cause that would be liar, liar, pants on fire, you know, <laughs> but I'm more apt to say, Hey, let's lock arms together and let's do this together. I'm not even sure what this is, but it'll be a lot more fun and we're more apt to get yeah. it done if we go after this together. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're a business owner, but you realize you're in the people business. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and how do I know that? Um, I discovered early on, Ryan, that I'm a lousy employee, just saying, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's the reason I've been self-employed for 45 years because nice. when you hire me um, within 24 hours, I'm going to be telling you how to run the place <laughs> because my number two strength is strategic and I can strategically look at what's going on and think of a better way to do it, mm -hmm. which is a gift and a curse all bundled up in the you know, right. enchilada. So um, I think when... Um, you know, the includer part of things comes in. Um, people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. People like to be part of a cause. It's why we have a church community. It's why um, I've stuck with the chamber all this time. Um, in the very first business that I started back in 1977, I still have people who are currently clients and customers in my business current at this minute mm. that I met back then. And wow. um Anything I've ever done, they always follow me because they say, hey, you haven't recommended us to look at something. You haven't led us down a crazy path yet. Well, maybe crazy, but a wrong path yet. And yeah. and people follow you because they know you're not blowing smoke up their pant leg. You're going to offer them something of value and something that, um, you know, ultimately has benefit for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you so number one, you can you have the ability, the gifts to be a leader and be an influence. And the most prominent leadership coaches I'm aware of, at least define leadership as influence, the ability to influence other people. So beyond just having the gifts, why do you think it is Im important to you in, in, in what kinds of ways do you want to be an influence in our church and in the city of Chandler and in the chamber and all the things you're involved in? You know, I, I, I mean, there's two answers to that. There's the BC answer, the before COVID, and the, <laughs> and, and the, the DC, the during COVID. Yeah, but, right. But we'll go for right now because that's the pot of soup we're sitting in. And that is, um, I think right now there just needs to be people that are, I don't even know how you say, like sitting in neutrality and not you know, and you know how it is. If you, if you go, Oh, look at the guy over there stuffing his face with donuts. Everybody looks over there and they don't see that you're sitting there wanting to reduce the Snickers population, you know? And so yeah. if you look at it that way, I think that, that being an influential human at this point is to, um, 
just be a good human and acknowledge other people when they're being good humans hmm. and go out there, not necessarily trying to, you know, start fights and cause more divided stuff, not tell people how to think, you know, acknowledge people for, um, you know, who they are, which hopefully should be a decent human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pam, I appreciate you so much. And, and you have been a part of my life for a long time in, in a yeah. church, <laughs> church capacity, church capacity. And, uh, and I know that, that you are a much loved person in this city. And, and it's, it's no surprise why, you know, because you, because you love other people and you share, you share your gifts and yourself with other people to make their lives better. So I appreciate your leadership and your influence. And I appreciate you sharing with us this morning. You're so welcome. Thank you, Ryan. I love you too. <laughs> oh, love you, Pam. Thank you. Okay. See you soon. Okay. I love Pam. Thank you, Pam, for sharing. Pam is a bridge builder. She is uh, a, an off-the-charts relational person. She speaks up for what she believes, and she does it in the most inclusive way possible. I've seen her do this because people matter to her so much, and she, she wants to be a servant leader. So as we start this series, uh, maybe we start it by asking just a simple question. Based on what we've seen in the example of Jesus and then in the Harvard Business Review from, uh, from the, the leadership author, Dan Cable, what would the next step look like for you in servant leadership? What would it look like for you just to take that next step out of the, out of the, the list of servant leader qualities? No matter if you're at work, at school, in your community, in your church, what would the next step look like for you toward becoming always a better and better servant leader. So the scripture we read from John 13 about Jesus setting us an example to be servant leaders comes from the upper room and the Last Supper where Jesus shared communion with his disciples. And we practice open communion at the well. You don't have to be a member of the well to take communion. How could we enforce it anyway, since you're at home right now? So anybody who says, yeah, I want to I wanna live this way. I want to love God. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I want to be, be a part of this. We invite you to participate in communion. So grab a piece of bread and a beverage wherever you are, and let's share communion together as we end the service. So on this night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples, and he took the bread, and he thanked God for it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. So let's take a piece of the bread and eat the bread together. In the same way he took the cup, he thanked God for it. And then he said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you drink it, remember me. And so let's drink from the cup. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for Jesus' example of what it means to be an effective leader. We find ourselves in the United States in 2020, right before a presidential election, 
during a pandemic, during an economic downturn, in a very divided time in which we don't know what the future holds. And as we saw earlier, everything rises and falls on leadership. From the president to governors to congresspeople, yes, but also to us as citizens, as employees, as business owners, as bosses, as artists, whatever we are, as family members, everything rises and falls on leadership. All of us have influence over somebody. Everybody influences somebody. We are leaders, whether we even believe we are or not, because we have that influence. So the question isn't, are we leaders? The question is, what kind of leaders are we? How am I influencing the people around me? And today, as we talk about work here on Labor Day weekend, how am I influencing my employees? How am I influencing my, my supervisor? Or in your community, in your church, how am I influencing the people I lead in a group or in a ministry? How am I influencing the people that are an authority over me? How am I influencing the people around me? How am I an influence on social media? How am I an influence in my family? In coming weeks, we'll talk about leading at home and and leading yourself and leading in our country. We start by asking, what kind of a leader am I? How am I influencing the people around me? And Jesus has given us the example of servant leadership, of being willing to pick up a basin and a towel and wash other people's dirty feet, to put ourselves in in the position of a servant in the ancient world and to invest in the lives of other people and make their lives better and humble ourselves and, and yes, we'll be exalted for that because leaders are, when they humble themselves, they are exalted. Their teams are more productive. They get things done because they care about people. But that's the key. Servant leaders are the opposite of selfish leaders. They care about people and they value others as human beings, as ends in themselves. That's the kind of leadership that Jesus calls us to. We thank you that in this time, in 2020, God, thank you that we have this example of what it means to be a leader. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.